You're listening to Check Us Out, the podcast of the Montclair Public Library. I'm Peter Coyle, Director of the Library, and we're so glad you're listening today. Today, we're going to hear from Ken, Adrian, and Kirsten, who are going to discuss their favorite and their not-so-favorite books in series. These are books they really disliked for one reason or another. You could say these are books that fascinated and frustrated. This isn't normally the kind of conversation we have. We usually talk about books we love, books we want people to read. But sometimes looking at the other side can be very entertaining, enlightening, and fun. So we hope you'll enjoy this different kind of episode from us. Have a listen. Looks like I'm live. I'm waiting for my colleagues to join me. I'm Ken. I'm the collection and materials librarian here at Montclair Public Library. And my colleagues, Adrian Harden and... Kirsten Payne will be joining me. Hey, Kirsten. Hey, Ken. Hi, guys. Hey. So should we start? It's almost I have like like 12 seconds. I have 10 o'clock, so I'm ready when you guys are. I'm a little excited. Me too. Okay, so anyway, the three of us are here. Um, I don't know if any of the people watching have ever listened to our podcast, but um, we've, in the past, the three of us have done sort of like book recommendations and that sort of thing on our podcast, but we decided to, you know, stir things up a little and do something a little different this time around. And instead we're going to talk today about just like books that we're excited about, I think is uh, more than, I think it's the, the best way to put it. And um, so I don't know who wants to, who wants to start first? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll start. I'll let you start. So one of the books, this is an old book, but a lot of people still don't really know about it. And um, it is Standing at the Scratch Line by Guy Johnson. And I don't know if many people know this, but Guy Johnson is Maya Angelou's son. And I didn't know. Let me tell you, I had this preconceived notion like, oh, my God, what it must feel like for this guy to try and follow Maya Angelou (laughs) as an author. But what's great about this book is this is nothing like his mother would write. It's 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 he is in a class of his own. Um, This is about him weaving true black American stories from the early decades of the 1900s. Um, do you guys remember something like the Hatchfields and the McCoys? Yeah. That, 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 like the, the well, original family feud. What he does in here is his family, the Tremaines, have a family feud with the Dumonts. As I was reading this, the first thing that came to mind again was the Hatfields and the McCoys from when I was a child. So <laughs> it starts off that way, but what really happens is he learns how to fight during these family feuds. Mistakenly, in a botched attempt at fighting the Dumonts, he kills two white deputies, and the story takes off from there. And because of this murder, because that let's call it what it is, because of these murders, he had to flee. His family mm-hmm. um, disowned him, and he had to flee New Orleans. Oh, wow. And during his flight, he winds up in France fighting in World War One. Um, I don't want to give away too much about that, but it's so easy to give away too much, but he winds up fighting in World War One, and not only just the fight of the war, he's fighting the Germans and his fellow soldiers um, and bigotry and so forth. And all of these things begin to shape him and form this man full of pride, and he becomes sort of like a hero. Um, 
I really recommend you guys reading this book. It's it's so good. It's not that big, but it is kind of big, but very exciting, very fast, very easy read. Very cool. That sounds awesome. I love I love historical fiction and I love stories about like families that span generations. So I feel like that's exactly something I would enjoy. That's so cool. And also yeah, and, and there's a follow-up to it as well, but I'll talk about that on a later one. Um, the book was so good, it's followed up by Echoes of a Distant Summer, um, which continues the legacy of Tremaine King and his family. Cool. Really good book. Really good book. And it's available both in e-audio, e-book, and physically here at Montclair Library. <laughs> good plug. <laughs> <laughs> I've reversed my camera so you guys can see uh, the book that I'll be talking about first. Um, so it's called Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. And it's really, I'm going to reverse back. It's probably the title that I've read recently that stayed with me the most. Um, so I actually did the audiobook. We have it on audio, we have it on ebook, and we have the physical book, um, or we will as soon as I return it after this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so, it's, so it's about, the main character is named Yadriel, and he is a trans boy who is in the process of becoming a brujo, sort of a, like a wizard sorcerer who can uh, communicate with the dead. And he's also trying to convince his family and his community to see him as he is. Um, and I really loved it because it's an own voices novel. So the author is also trans. Um, and it was kind of recommended to me on those terms. But as I started reading it, I just like fell in love with the characters, with the voices. They're all so distinct. Um, he's the main character, but there's also a ghost boy named Julian who he sort of comes into contact with through an accidental circumstance, which I don't want to give away because it would spoil part of the book. Um, but in addition to kind of Yadriel's journey, there's also this undercurrent of like a supernatural murder mystery happening um, and somebody potentially trying to complete a ritual to raise a god from like the underworld. Um, so it's just really, really fascinating. It's really fast paced. Um, it's really beautiful in that it incorporates Spanish into the text without translation oftentimes. Uh, the audiobook is excellent. Like, I highly recommend reading it that way, in addition to the physical book, um, if you like audiobooks, because I think the narrator is really great and captures the voices really beautifully. Um, I'm not a fantasy person generally, but this really, really grabbed me. It just really was good. <laughs> Highly recommend. I love that the protagonist is a trans boy. Nice yes. way to to interweave that into a fantasy book and to make it reachable yes. to a wider audience. Anyone that? It, Good time. It's yesterday, yesterday was a trans day of visibility. I know. I kind of wish we yes. had it yesterday, but I feel like it's still it's still appropriate. One day late. Trans people should be visible every day. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's yes. a great point, Ten. Love that. I want to talk about a series, which is um, also a mix of supernatural and murder mysteries, um, although they're for adults. Uh, and the series is called The Rivers of London series by Ben Aronovich. Um, this is the first novel, although if you're looking for it in a bookstore here, it won't be called this because the first novel was called Midnight Riot in the United States. I just happened to pick this up in London. Um, I first found out that my, uh, 
anyone who knows me knows I've, I have a son who lives in London. And, um, and I first came across these novels visiting him five or six years ago. And um, so far, the series, I think, is seven or eight full-length novels. There are a few short novellas that he's published that kind of fill in the gaps between the novels. And then there's also a series of graphic novels that also fill in the gaps between the novels. Um, so altogether, there's something like 16 or 17 books, if you count the novellas and the, and the graphic novels. Um, they just published, like, this past week, the most recent of the novellas, which is called What Abigail Did Last Summer, which is um, takes one of the minor characters in the novels and gives her sort of like the central character. Um, I'm, I'm losing my vocabulary today. So anyway, um, they take place in London, obviously. The main character is a young police constable named Peter Grant, who is a mixed race. In the early novels, he's in his early 20s. He's just starting out as a, as a police officer. His mother's from Sierra Leone. His father is a white jazz musician. And he is just given grunt work. He's, there was a murder in Covent Garden, and he's assigned just to keep an eye on the, on the crime scene overnight until the texts come back the next morning. And while he's waiting in the middle of the night, he sees a ghost. And once he reports that to his superiors, they put him on the fast track to join this special division within the London police that deals with supernatural crime. And, and that sets him on his career. So, so, each, and so each novel can be read kind of as its own, but there's also an, over, like a, like an arc that connects them all. There's, one, there's a sort of a, a, a villainous sort of Professor Moriarty kind of uh, character called the Faceless Man, who, mm. who is um, sort of like the bad guy in the magical English world. And, um, and uh, the re reason is the, and the reason the series is called Rivers of London is because one of the one of the conceits of the series is that each of the, the river and London has many rivers. It's only the Thames that we know about, but most of the others have been covered up and turned into sewers over the over the centuries. And um, but uh, but each of the rivers has its own god or goddess. And so there's Mama Thames, who's also a, uh, an African woman who, after a, a, a heartbreak, tried to throw herself into the Thames and wound up becoming the goddess of the Thames instead. And, um, and Peter winds up falling in love with her daughter named Beverly Brooke, which is one of the others. She's one of the other river goddesses. And, uh, and river so, goddess. I love that. Cool. <laughs> one of the things I liked about it, too, is that it talks about parts of London culture that you don't often hear about. And, mm. I was saying to Adrian the other day that uh, I liked that it talked about, like, you don't hear a lot about, um, here anyway, about um, that the Black British experience. Uh, right. And yeah. having a mixed race character. And I believe the author is mixed race also, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Anyway, I just, it's, a, it's really entertaining. Um, they're very quick reads. I mean, I don't often get into series because I don't like the, ob have to have the obligation of I have to read the next book. And it's one of the few series. Yeah. Like I'm eager for the next book. So anyway, how many books did you say are in the series now? I think there's seven full-length novels and three novellas and like five or six graphic novels. That's a lot. <laughs> how do the um? How do the graphic novels fit into like the timeline or the canon of the series? Um, it's a good question because actually the the graphic novels came later uh, and because they don't follow the exact same 
chronology. I mean, he'd recently published, oh, I've got it. There's also a recent book of short stories um, called Bells from the Folly. Um, the Folly is what they call the, the supernatural division of the police department. Um, um, in that he had a like if you want to read them in chronological order, it's the order you should read them in, which is good because you know I was reading when I started reading the graphic novels, I'm like, wait a second, they're talking about stuff that happened like three books ago. But now it's, I'm actually rereading the series now, so I can read. Interesting. The it must be good. Now you That's know a cool. series is good when you reread the book. Yeah. 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 Actually, the one I'm on now is my. I have to say, my least favorite is called Foxglove Summer because the only reason that my least favorite is the only one in the series that does not take place in London itself it takes place like up in the countryside and it just less interested in that part of it. So. so how did he wind up in the countryside? Did it talk about it in the previous one? Like no, what happened? Well, I think they, I think they just he just wanted to change it. The author okay. just wanted to mm. like, what happens is like two kids disappear and his superior officer Thomas Nightingale thinks that. Uh, he thinks that there might be something supernatural involved in it, so sends Peter up to investigate. So, um, cool. On the plus side, it is the one where he and Beverly finally like get together after <laughs> after three novels, and they're just sort of like flirting with each other. They finally become a couple by the end of the fourth book. Very cool. So I have another book that I read that I love. It's, it's different. Um. I don't know if you guys know, but I facilitate several book clubs. And what winds up happening with us is we get bored because we wind up reading the same storylines over and over and over. So I wanted to challenge us, and I came across a big challenge. Um, this is the book. Black Lotus by an author named Kawan. And... One of the things that I always tell my book club members is we should read without prejudice. And um, we had preconceived notions about this book, but it's a novella. As you can see, it's really small. So it was a great segue for us to enter into a crime novelist. So what this is about, and the reason that this went over well for my book club is because it's about a detective. His name is Detective Wolf. He winds up with a case that involves a father, a priest, and what he begins to unravel without telling too much is the fact that this priest is hiding behind the cloth because he's a pedophile. He kills one of the children that he violates, and the only way that he can seem to get away with this is to become a priest but he leaves a trail that this detective winds up picking up on. And yeah, you wind up being grabbed by it because anybody who loves children, you're rooting for this detective to uncover, unravel, and, and just handle this. Um, but the way that he does leaves you wanting more. I kind of see why this gentleman wrote this book the way that he did, because you're absolutely left wanting to know what's going on with him, what's going on with the priest, what's going on with the family who lost the child. Mm -hmm. um, there's also another woman, there's a woman that winds up in this book that is like a vigilante. Um, 
this person wants to go after the bad guys undercover, kill them um, for, for vengeance, for revenge on the family and so forth. And it does go into another book called Black Lotus II, The Vow, because there's a promise that is made by Detective Wolf at the end of this book when he thinks that the these people have uh, escaped him, have, have gotten away um, with murder. Um, so yeah, it was a good book. I, again, it's so hard not to give away <laughs> too much. I'm struggling here as I'm saying it. One of the things I like about the podcast, I could pause it, go back, pause it, go back, but I'm live. live so I give it away. <laughs> but this is good. Anybody who wants to try something different, um, and that has a little bit of an interest in crime novels. Mm -hmm. This was really well done. And it's like under 100 pages, really worth it. And the library has it. It's also in e-audio and an e-book. So again, Kawan, Black Lotus, and the follow-up is Black Lotus to The Vow. Give it a try. It's worth it. Ooh, I should oh. point out that I think all of the... I think we the library has all or most of the Rivers of London series, and the ones we don't have, I know, are available through other Buckles libraries. Um, his, recently, the, the, it took him a while to catch on here, and they're coming out in hardcover now. But uh, like the first handful of novels in America only came out as mass market paperbacks, so mm -hmm. those are in our on our paperback shelf. Uh, but the others should just be in the regular fiction and the or graphic novels. Cool, cool. Is your book in the collection? Kirsten? It is. Yeah. It's, um, yes, I, I borrowed it actually from uh, technical services. It's still in process, but I'm going to process it right after this and it'll be available to check out. Um, and I have one more to talk about that I'm actually still reading, so I won't get into too much about it, but I do want to show, I'm just going to reverse here. So I'm actually doing audio. Um, on Hoopla, which is a service we offer at the library. It's called, the book is called These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Um, so if you are a Shakespeare fan at all, um, the title is probably familiar from Romeo and Juliet. Um, and the book is a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, not in um, like a play format. It's, it's just a kind of like regular uh, novel. But it takes place in 1920s Shanghai. Um, and Juliet is a member of a crime syndicate um, a, from Shanghai. And then the Romeo character is named Roma Montagov, and he's from a Russian crime syndicate. So oh, wow. it's really, yeah, it's, it's, I'm only about halfway through. But there's also a supernatural element. There's like a, like a serpent, a sea serpent kind of, who is spreading a disease that causes insanity and causes people to... Um, harm themselves. Uh, I won't get into oh, it, wow. it's a bit graphic. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's really fascinating. And I've been really impressed with how they've worked uh, the original play structure into the story without the story itself being a play, while also including details of 1920s Shanghai, like jazz clubs and just the international trade that was going on in the city at the time. Um, it's really, really fascinating. It's like, funny it's fast-paced but it's also very like rich and like a deep story um a lot to kind of sink your teeth into and i know i said earlier that i don't usually like fantasy but yet i'm talking about two fantasy novels um, <laughs> I was gonna say, 
Okay, maybe it's growing on you, Kirsten. It might be. There's, I think it's just that young adult fantasy lately has been taking these like turns and it's, it's getting more, more interesting. There's a lot there, a lot there. Uh, but yes, this one is available on Hoopla. It's available through Overdrive and Libby. Um, and it's available as a physical book in our collection, though I think it's currently checked out. Young adult. Young adult, yes. Yeah, yep, another young adult. Okay, because I was curious, because it sounded like there was a series of books several years ago that did similar things with Shakespeare, where like they had um, different authors tackle different Shakespeare plays, but change, but bring them up to date. I know the, the only one I read of them, but I mean, they had different authors. I forget all the Joe Nesbo did a, a version of Macbeth that, that you're, where you described this, where, where instead of Macbeth being, you know, a Scottish general becoming king, he's a crime boss in Glasgow. And uh, uh, it was an interesting sort of, and there, there were a bunch of them like that. I think, I think Alexander McCall Smith might've done one too, I forget. They, were, they got, you know, fairly um, big name authors to sort of put their sort of contemporary twists on, on Shakespeare. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. This one, I know there's another book that just came out that has the same title, um, but it's an adult, like I think literary fiction. So if you're looking for this one, it's uh, Chloe Vaughn is the author. Okay. But, yeah. Anything <laughs> else, Ken? Mm, I can tell you my favorite in the Rivers of London series, which is the the one I the pre, the one prior to the one I'm reading now, which is called Broken Homes. Which the only the reason I like it is because it takes place in the neighborhood that my son was living in when he first moved to London. So I can ab absolutely Ooh, picture everything that I happened. love That's, that. The main action literally takes place like across the street from where my son was living back in. That's really cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's <laughs> really fun. <laughs> yeah. He fictionalizes it somewhat, but mm -hmm. but it's but you know I know the neighborhood, so it was kind of but yeah. So broken. what are you guys reading for next month? Have you started anything? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. What are you What are you reading for next month? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be reading I'll the Yellow reading Wife by Sadika Johnson. So we had her in my book club. Um, we had her visit for several of her titles. And I became quite a fan of her writing. And so her latest offering is The Yellow Wife. And I'm interested in tackling that. I have it in book format and audios. Sometimes I like to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I found myself doing that with Guy Johnson's book because sometimes they're so large that mm -hmm. you get tired from just reading. So I'll go to the audio to keep me going. I do the same. <laughs> really, that makes me feel better. Sometimes yeah. I feel guilty when I put a book down and pick up the audio book because it's like, am I doing myself a disservice here? Sometimes but when just, they're large. I know I won't finish it if I if I don't like do the audio while I'm like doing the stationary bike or like walking oh, and like I gotta thing. I gotta switch. You're making me feel so much better. Come on, Ken, join in on the reindeer game. Do you do that at all? I might do that with the one I'm reading now because like the, the current book in the series, because like I said, I'm, it's kind of dragging and I'm not liking it as much as the others. That just makes me feel so much better. I just feel like I'm cheating when I do that. But <laughs> I figure anything to get through the book, the worst thing is to put yeah. a book down and never finish it, right? Yeah. So if this is how I can get through it. That's what I'm going to do. I My totally father was one of those people that. who, even if he hated a book, 
he would finish it. He just couldn't finish a book. He just like every book he picked up, he had to finish. Even if, like, if I really need something, I, I feel like that's a skill in itself. <laughs> Ken, remember we talked about this too. Sometimes when there's a book you don't like, they make for the best discussions ever because. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about us humans. We sure like to talk about what we don't like, don't we? <laughs> we really do. really brought that out in people, too. Like, yeah. people want to complain. Yeah, yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of bad, but it's kind of good. So, you know, if I read a book and I don't like it, and we talk about it on here, <laughs> I'm probably going to have a lot to say. <laughs> uh. That's actually fun. Maybe that would be like a fun, uh, a fun exercise for all of yeah. us to pick what we don't like. Kirsten, I think we're on to something. Ken? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I'd be curious to see what kind of comments we get. Because, you know, that's what I'm talking we don't about. like, somebody out there is going to be like, how could they not like this? <laughs> right. And we can engage the audience and we can have dialogue going back mm -hmm. and forth. I think that would make it even more interactive, right? Yeah, I yeah. like that. I like that idea. So let's do that. We'll talk out after this. Okay. Okay. Like, how are we going to go find a book we really don't like? <laughs> Has it happened already? <laughs> like that you really, 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 really don't like. <laughs> I have to think about that one. Yeah. I know no, there's at least one that I can... I have one, and I'm going to show it to you right now. Ooh. Oh, okay. I'm excited. A good way to segue into our next one. The Dragonfly Sea. I haven't read that. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to talk about it yet. Okay. But Interesting. One man's treasure is another man's junk because a lot of people did like this. Yes. I, the My one book that club I'm, did not. Interesting. Interesting. The one I'm thinking of that really stands out for me is definitely, it's a very popular title from a few years, like quite a few years back, but like it just did not connect for me at all. Yeah, I, I just thought of one too, which is <laughs> of a, an author that I usually like, but there was one book in her series that that was so preposterous that it was just like I couldn't get like the actually the premise behind the book was so preposterous I just couldn't get past that. Yeah, this. Oh, so I'm the only one that's spilling the tea on one book I didn't like. Right. Am I the only bad guy? <laughs> with um, uh, Tana French, the likeness. Um, I love her book. I really, I really like her book. The likeness. The, the premise is that, like, one of the police, like, this one woman police officer is supposed to be an absolute double for this murder victim they're investigating. And I just thought, really? Like, and then, you know, <laughs> she, and then she poses as, as the victim so that people don't really know the victim is dead so they can find out. The, I'm like, like, really? Like, it, like her friends, her roommates don't recognize that it's not the same person. It just seemed really far-fetched. Okay. But the rest of the books in that series, that's the Dublin Murder Squad series, like kind of French. And I love the rest of the books in that series, but not that one. I'm interested. Okay, your turn, I'll Kirsten. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, it's Prep by Curtis Sittenfeld. And it came out oh, a while that. ago. I want to say I was maybe even in high school or like college when it came out. And it was, um, it's about this girl who goes to a boarding school and just like the entirety of her experience while she's there. And I just like, she's such, I found her to be such an unlikable character, even though I think maybe now in retrospect, that was kind of the point. Um, but I just like, I could not connect with her. I couldn't connect with the story. It, I just felt like it was, um, it didn't have any real resolution. I, I was just not, 
not into it. Um, and, and the author has written books since that I've read and I've enjoyed and have thought were really interesting and well done. Um, but yeah, that one just did not, did not do it for me. <laughs> look at how much conversation we're having about what we don't like you see i made my point i do have a hard time with with books that have unlikable protagonists like sometimes that works for me like sometimes i love an anti-hero but this was more just i i felt that she was like almost like uninteresting which is worse and see what's different for me with the dragonfly sea it was the writing. Ooh. I just, I, I think I felt the author was trying too hard to be poetic. Ooh. And interesting. Yeah, I was just like, I'm not. I don't understand what you're trying to say. I'm yeah. not getting the visuals. I'm not feeling this book. Very and then when we had our book club, it was the same thing. So we spent an hour and 40 minutes dissecting the poetry <laughs> or the, the attempt at poetic uh, writing. But yeah, that's cool. for me, I don't think that a book comes to mind where the character just mm -hmm. was so off-putting that I couldn't read it. Yeah. For me, it's the writing that doesn't connect. Interesting. That's hard, to, that's hard to overcome, too. If the writing isn't there, it's like... Yeah, because that's what you're supposed to be good at, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, like the one that I was talking about, like the writing style was good. So I did finish it and I, I still think about it. So I guess it did make an impression. It was just See? not an enjoyable experience at the time. See. The other thing too is I think <laughs> like over time your taste changed. Like I used to, I was just thinking as you were, one of you were saying something. Um, I used to love like really dark crime fiction and I can't read that stuff anymore. It's just like- So I'm, this like, isn't gonna be for you, Kane. <laughs> Cause I know, I, I, I used to, um, when you, I guess it was when Kirsten was talking about unlikable heroes. Cause uh, I used to like Jim Thompson and his probably most famous novel is The Killer Inside Me. Maybe 10 years ago or so revisited that book and I was just, I couldn't, couldn't even read it. It's mm -hmm. so dark, and, I, and the main character is so horrible that I, like, mm -hmm. I wound up donating all my. I had, I had a whole bunch. Of books <laughs> so East Rutherford Public Library, where I used to work, now has like the best collection of Jim Thompson novels in, in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, mean, like, I can't read it anymore. Like, I'm gonna put give them all to the library. That's that's funny. It's good. Well, I think we had a good yeah, we're day. Yeah, we're having a Thank you. Thanks Thank you, guys. Thank you. And I hope that you continue to come back and join us and feel free to participate. We're looking for recommendations, maybe books that you're reading, that you want to share. We're open. Yes, absolutely. Put it all in the comments, people. Put it all in the comments. <laughs> See you soon, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Ken and Kirsten. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> Bye. We hope you enjoyed this conversation about books from the Montclair Public Library. You've listened to Check Us Out, our podcast. As always, if you need more information about the items we've talked about, our programs or services, you can visit us online at montclairlibrary.org or download our app. Search for Montclair Public Library on the App Store to download your app for the MPL today. Thanks for listening.